If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Triple double rust, man. I need you to acknowledge he don't do this for the optics, man. He do this for the rockets. Opponents Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and with me as always is my man on the ground who's on a big 50-cent kick this morning, Kelly Eco, athletic beat writer covering the Houston Rockets. Kelly, how you doing? Chief unit! Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. What's going on, Mo? That must have been fun for people to hear that high-pitched sound in, your, hey. uh, in their earbuds. Uh, I have range. No, Respect the no, range. No, you don't. <laughs> Oh, man, it's going to be that kind of day. Uh, how you doing, though, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, weird, strange three days. You know, kind of had to process everything. Um, but it's important. Yeah, and if you're uh, if you living to, under a rock, start there. just to kind of give you the, the rundown here a little bit, the Milwaukee Bucks kind of kicked off a boycott or strike or whatever phrase you want to use that led to a postponement of NBA games for two or three days. And uh, I believe games are going to start up on Saturday. Uh, We're recording Friday morning. But a very important moment for the NBA. Players were very upset with the Jacob Blake shooting in Milwaukee. And, excuse me, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I think, you know, they trying to figure out what they're doing. Why are they in the bubble and everything that goes along with it? Um, Kelly, what were your reactions to, to hearing the stories? It kind of sort of just happened, right? Relatively one domino fell, then the next, then the next, then the next. What was kind of your reaction to everything? Um, uh, obviously, as it was happening in real time, we were getting information. But I think first and foremost, a uh, big step for the players Obviously, you know, this is a different situation being inside the bubble and um, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, you know, from what we've seen so far. But it was important for the players to take a stand and and finally have their voices heard. I think they were kind of annoyed with how the message was being portrayed so far. I mean, the shirts and the, the jerseys and everything are nice, but I think... The walkout that they did, you know, was so powerful because you saw it trickle down to other sports too. It happened in baseball. It happened in football and in, in soccer. And the WNBA. Um, Don't forget about that. And the WNBA. And they go hard, man. Those shirts. With uh, the- <laughs> yeah. For, for anyone who doesn't watch the WNBA, you know, just pay attention to what they've been saying the last couple of days. Some really powerful stuff. You know, we heard people like Sam Mitchell. Chris Webber, you know, Robert Ori, you know, several WNBA players, um, Asia Wilson, just speak about the importance of this moment. And when you think about people like Maya Moore, when you think about people like, you know, Sterling Brown, George Hill, you know, those people who have been on the front lines trying to, you know, fight this fight, it's important that. You know, yeah, the Bucks might they might not have told other teams that they were going to do it because it was a, a spur of the moment, but they don't really have to. Like this, this is what they want to do. They're a separate, 
of course they're part of the NBA, but they're also a separate entity within themselves. So I don't think I don't think you know they had to just send a memo to all NBA teams like because at the end of the day you're a free will. If you want to walk out, you're free to walk out. If you want to stay, you're free to stay. Like no one is going to look at you any differently for doing either or. Um, so I do think that it was a good it was a good moment. Uh, these two days of no playoff games just to kind of put the attention back on Jacob Blake and and the the fact that this is wrong. It shouldn't be happening. No man should have to be shot seven times in front of their children, let alone without their children. Like, this shouldn't be happening. Um, people didn't learn anything from George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor. Like, they didn't learn. Like, and that's, that's the scary thing is that um, law enforcement, you know, police officers, they, they have, they walk around with this power that, that they can just take your life at any given moment, whether they feel like it or not. And there's no reason why it takes three cops, you know, to surround one person. And what, like the whole thing is just nonsense to me, but I do support the players always. And I support the movement that the NBA did. Um, and I, I want to see more because obviously we saw LeBron put pressure on the owners and the coaches to, to do more, you know, those those owners have power. They have money. They have influence. They have connections to government. Um, how to make those changes immediate? How to make them impactful? And how to make them, you know, worthwhile? Yeah, well said, Kelly. I think the that's what the players are looking for. Is they're they're tired of empty gestures, and they want the owners to start putting some skin in the game. And we'll see how all of this plays out you know it's something we've talked about before these changes aren't something that happens extremely quickly but it's it's they want and they're demanding that they want these owners and 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 coaches everybody to get involved in some way shape or form so uh good on the players i supported them and you know as i've always said if they want to call it a, a season they call it a season it no, no, uh, nothing to come from me one way or the other. So, yeah, and it's important. It's also important to to note, you know, the people who have been around the people around the events happening, telling the stories. Chris Haynes, Taylor Rooks, uh, Tyler Times of the Ringer, my good friend. People have been, you know, doing their Stephanie Reddy, you know, with, 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 with TNT. People have doing their absolute best to try and. You know, keep us up to date, and, and uh, I recommend. Yeah, and you know, good on them. Also, I highly recommend checking out the special podcast that David Aldridge and Sam. Oh Amick my God! Yeah, did together. Uh, there's no yeah, it, my, that's, big was just powerful. Just go listen to it. You know, and and in particular, listen to uh, uh, David Aldridge, and, and you'll understand everything. And if you don't, then y- you you are the problem. Plain and simple. But, Kelly, let's get a little bit more to basketball. This is an awkward transition, folks. I know. I'm really sorry. Um, but during this kind of postponement, we got a little bit of – we've been getting a lot of rocket news over the past few days. And I think the biggest one which dropped today was word that on Thursday the Rockets did an inter-squad scrimmage to kind of get Russell Westbrook going here a little bit. And – you know, see where he's at. It was five on five and the reports coming from Tim McMahon of ESPN. And one of his sources said, Russ looked as explosive as ever. 
So, uh, and then obviously it's coming out, you know, Russ is going to play game five. Kelly, what are your reactions? Just just off the bat, we literally just did a podcast beginning of the week saying <laughs> it's not worth it. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you and I had said that it's not worth it, but if somebody says it looks explosive as ever, I mean, <laughs> that's a whole nother can of worms. So I do think them getting Russell back is going to be good for the spirits, first and foremost, just getting their – just getting a leader back on the floor, it helps them. You know, it puts less pressure on people like Eric Gordon, um, Ben McLemore, P.J. Tucker, those guys. Um, but it also gives them, you know, a schematic boost too because it kind of seemed like through games three and four that the Thunder had figured out the Rockets a little bit. Um, not only their small ball style play, but just how they operated as a unit. You know, it figured like they kind of sucked the air out of the room. Russell is a, is a funnel of his own, so he has his own air supply. You're not going to – there is no – actually, there's, there's a way to scheme for him, but in terms of his intangibles, there isn't. Like, he just brings a different kind of tenacity, a different flavor. He's a whole problem in itself. So getting him back on the floor is a big boost for them. Now the big question is how effective is he going to be? How explosive is he really, you know – and a squad scrimmage is nothing like a, a playoff game five. Um, so I want to see if he's able to or how much he's able to to sustain, how long he's going to be on the floor. Is he going to be on a minutes restriction? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that works out. I mean, I'm with you. I'm very curious of his wind and his stamina because obviously with a strained quad, it wasn't like he was – able to do wind sprints and, and keep his uh, his endurance up. So I'll be very curious to see how well he looks on that and just how he moves, man. Like this is, to me, this is a scary injury because this is one of those things if it doesn't heal right, you can probably make it worse. And that's my biggest concern, especially for the way Russ plays because it's not like he's a standstill shooter or anything like that. He's explosive. Like, that's his game. You know, he finds that opening, and he's going to explode to the rim and put pressure on the defense. I think it'll be fascinating to watch what they do. If they put him on a minutes limit, how do they use those minutes? You know, is it short bursts like we've seen, like the way New Orleans brought Zion in? Maybe it's a – it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of handle all of that. But everything looks like, hey, it's a system go – for game five, you know, series tied 2-2, that is a very pivotal game. Kelly, ultimately, what do you think the effects are for game five? <clears throat> um, you mean in terms of who wins the game or just how he looks? How he fits into the team, where does it, what does it do for the Rockets, everything. And then you can tell I me, mean, uh, we'll save our, our predictions, which I feel like we haven't been great on <laughs> for after no, that we've been asked <laughs> but um i think he fits right back into what they were doing obviously um i wonder who ends up not starting i would say maybe daniel house maybe um but i think the best way to counter okc's three guard lineup is to have one of your own and the Rockets have that. They just haven't been able to use it all that much because of injuries and, and you know, rhythm and stuff like that. 
I want to see what that looks like against you know Schroeder, Shea Giggs, and Chris Paul because those guys have been really effective down the stretch in the past two games, especially Dennis Schroeder. But you know Russ, if we saw remember the video last game of Russ kind of yapping at him and Stephen Adams, he's been waiting to get back in this game. So I think he'll he'll do a job of trying to you know quell that fear that Dennis Schroeder has brought to the team. Um, I also want to see how it looks against Lou Dort because now. You know, if Dort keys up on James, there's another guy you got to account for with Russ because he's going to be coming at you fast. Um, I think the Rockets haven't done that great in transition during the first two games. Well, four, four games, I mean. Um, fast break points, I think it's around eight per game. Mm-hmm. I think Russ accounts for like seven of his own just in a game. So that will come up. But I think the overall rotations, because Mike has only played with eight guys, eight and a half if you want to, if you want to be technical. Right through the first four games, and now you, we can actually see the nine-man rotation he's been talking about for months, so I want to see that. But I, th- I overall, I do think he brings a lot to the table. Russ, you know, he's a great player. He's going to bring a boost to them in the locker room internally, but I want to see how that translates to actual on-court flow because the Rockets have kind of settled into a rhythm how they play through the first four games. So I'm going to disagree with you on who – goes to the bench. I actually think they put Eric Gordon to the bench, and my main reason why is Daniel House is shooting almost 40% from three, and Eric's shooting 20. And I think, you know, I'm with you. I want to see the three guards go against the other three guards, but the Thunder don't don't start Dennis Schroeder. So it's a it's a whole... Well, I mean, I mean, to me, like, in the perfect world, you would start, you would bring Eric off the bench. I just think that Mike loves Eric so much. <laughs> Mike has been pushing for Eric to start for a long time. It's so, hard, though, man. You uh, can't put another bad yeah, I know, shooter I know. out. I mean, if he's not making threes, man, like you can't really put you, – you can't really your, – your whole offense is predicated on spreading the floor. Now they're not going to – now they're probably going to still close out on Gordon, but it's not going to be as hard, you know, with just how he's been struggling with shooting. You know, and you know you're you're not going to close out hard on Russ. It kind of just allows them to clog the paint a little bit more. For me, schematically, I think you do start house. You know, and it doesn't mean. I mean, listen, you and I both know Eric's going to play a huge role. I thought he was great, especially in their two wins and in, in getting penetration and getting into the paint. It's just you know, I, to start the game, I think they need to try to keep that floor a bit spread. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I just. I'm trying to think from Mike's Lock that in, folks. I just want Andrew, if you're listening, when you're listening, I want you to just clip that one part where he, where Kelly just said you're right, and let's just that's the whole podcast. I mean, but I know that. I, I know that. I'm just. I don't know. No, I'm, I don't just care, to I'm just going to use that over and over again, Kelly. Like, I just want to keep that clip. Oh, I'm just. I'm just trying to see how Mike's is because I can't wait. I can't wait till somebody asks him that question too because he's going to get pissed. <laughs> are, are you gonna um, ask him? No, <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> but um, um, look, Gordon has struggled a lot from shooting, and he needs to be. He can't. He can't go two for ten from three or all for ten from three. He just can't do that. They have no chance if he does it. Like with all the threes they shoot, if he's taking ten of those fifty attempts, and you're not making any of them. That's incredibly dangerous. Um, now you're putting a lot of pressure on people like Tuck and 
James and others to, to hit those threes to make up for the ones you're missing. I think that's like a snowball effect. So the the one thing um, for Eric that kind of helps with the with Russ coming back though too, it's takes less of the I have to penetrate and get into the paint load off of him a bit. I think it takes you know some of that pressure off of him and allow him to kind of focus because he's gonna. You know, when he's on the court with Russ, you know, he's going to be a recipient of some of these kickout passes. And maybe that that can kind of get him out of this funk here a little bit and he, he can get back to knocking down shots the way we know he can. He's not a 20% shooter. Like, we know he's a better shooter than this. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, and to your point, the Rockets kind of have picked up some of that slack that Russ, you know, with him not being on the team, you know, the driving kick, Putting pressure on defenders, they have done that pretty good, pretty well. Sorry, but um, yeah, I think having rest back, you allow guys like Gordon to settle back into what they like to do, which is get up. And obviously, Gordon does like to get; he, he does like to drive, beat people off the dribble, but he doesn't have to do it as much now because we're still on the floor. So it also goes back to what rotations Mike plays uh, in the course of a game. You know, obviously, we've seen Billy Donovan kind of match or try to match Dortmund with James. I want to see how Mike responds to that. Does he counter with putting Russ on there? Does he counter with putting Gordon out there? It's a lot of chess games. It's a lot of chess moves in this in this battle. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole plays out. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. But let's let's continue with our run of being very wrong with our predictions. And, yep. and what do you have for game five? I got to this, this is a doozy. Hold on. Uh, I'm going to go on the limb here. I'm going to say Rockets 125, Oklahoma City 107. Oh, you're going blowout. I'm actually not predicting a score, folks. Sorry to disappoint there. But Kelly went with a, an exact number there. I actually think this is a Rockets win. I think part of it is you'll see them energized, you know, with – the return of Russ and and things like that. I think you're going to see a bit more excitement from them. Not that they weren't excited, but you know, it's just that extra energy and that you know Russ brings that. I mean, he just brings that swagger with him, and and it's harder to do it from the bench than when you're on the court. And I think that's something you're going to see, and I think we'll see a little better push from the Rockets. So I'm going to go with a, a Rockets win. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be a blowout. Might, may not be particularly close. Might be like a eight nine point win but something like that I'm, I'm going with that but before we go Kelly we got to talk about one thing because they're whispering out there Kelly they're whispering a lot of, <laughs> a lot of whispers running around the NBA right now a lot of a lot of rumors going around and and one of the rumors has been that the Indiana Pacers who just let go of Nate McMillan might are planning to make a run at Mike D'Antoni, who is a free agent at the end of this season, whenever that may be. Uh, I mean, a lot of whispers out there. I mean, John Hollinger said he was hearing this as early as the autumn, which feels like seven years ago uh, at the start of the season. So, I mean, it's been out there, and now that McMillan's gone, it's it's back up. It's boiled back up into the NBA whisper circles. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, first and foremost, um, money talks. So, if Indiana is coughing up the cheese, 
I mean, I, I don't see why not. But I think it's more of the organization wanted to get the most out of Miles Turner. You know, they have they have they have some couple of good pieces over there. Miles Turner, Sabonis, uh, Brogdon, even Jeremy Lamb. I think I think Mike is someone who could, you know, kickstart his career. You know, if he's if he's healthy. Um, but it's it's a strange one because Indiana is like the most random team in the NBA. So, um. That's the, that one is pretty weird for me. I have to admit, but I mean, hey, it's an NBA job. It's it's a it's a good team. It's a good place to live. Like it's quiet. Uh, it's close to the East Coast where he's from. It's closer. Um, so I think it, it all comes down to his family. I think at this point, Mike is somebody. Obviously, is very family oriented. His wife Laurel does great work. Um, it's going to come down to family, you know, the comfort zone that they're in, you know, obviously the financials and just the competitive, the competitive level of the team is going to. So if it's not Houston, if it's Indiana, you know, if they can make some moves in the summer, um, well, the summer, in the off season, um, and who knows when that will be, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird out there. I don't, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is like it came out of left field to me. Well, you know, it's it, it it did come out of left field. The the way I kind of look at it, you know, from the Rockets' perspective, you know, it's it's you don't want distractions, and this is going to kind of end up being a slight distraction. I don't think it'll be a big one. You know, somebody might ask him in the press conference. He's going to shoot it down with a no comment, or I'm not looking at other things. I'm only focused on the. Houston Rockets right now and and all that fun stuff that we hear every coach say whenever they're coaching a team and potentially might be looking at other jobs. Um, It's interesting, though, because like when you look at the way that team set up and I still think there's going to be a lot more changes in Indiana, but, you know, they kind of got a fun group of guys, Victor Oladipo, who we're not sure how he's going to come back after the way the injuries you know, he's come back and it, it just hasn't looked necessarily right. You know, you have Malcolm Brogdon and the two of those guys that really haven't found synergy. DeMontis Sabonis is an interesting piece. Miles Turner is an interesting piece. Like, it's a interesting thing. And seeing them in a super up-tempo offense, you know, especially where they're going to fire off a ton of threes, which is something they didn't do under McMillan, will kind of make things interesting. It's it really just going to come down to how intrigued Mike is by this. And then also, you know, if the Rockets are going to come back to him and say like, Hey man, we, we, we want you here, you know? And I think that's kind of going to be the situation there. It's, it's, it's tough to gauge. Cause I don't know my feel for it is there's going to be a new coach in Houston next year. And it has nothing to do with, you know, whether Mike's a good coach or not. I think he's a great coach, but I, it, it, it's just a complicated scenario here, but I just feel like coach D'Antoni is going to be coaching somewhere next year. I mean, it may be Houston, it may not be. And I think people need to understand that, well, for me, I love Mike. He's like, he's fantastic. So, no one read this as us kind of advocating for a new co- No, it's never not the case. At all. Mike is great to talk to. He's a brilliant basketball mind. He's relatable. All that good stuff. And he he has the respect of his players. Um, So, yeah, just added my two cents in there. But, um, I think at this point of his career, he wants happiness. You know, his, his career is almost over. It's on the back end. 
Um, he wants to be happy. He wants his family be, to be happy. He wants to make a lot of money, you know, and he wants to be able to win games. So if he can do that in Houston, by all means, you know. I mean, there's if no he, if he can better be a, coach suited to coach this team, no, this there small ball team. No. This is this is the this team is he's always thing. wanted to coach. So yeah. <laughs> there's there's no – yeah, that's why it's funny yeah. to me that there's still like – like I just don't know I mean, what they're doing. If they're you and I can, yeah, but that could, be, yeah, we could talk about that for hours. Yeah, so. if if, <laughs> if if they're if to me, my thing is, and and I'll end it here unless you got some more points, Kelly. But for me, my thing is, if you're planning on playing small ball next year, I don't know if you can have another coach other than than Dean yeah. If, if you plan on playing small ball and you let Mike go, that's incredibly dumb. But hey, I don't call the shots. You don't. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. We got games five coming up. Uh, not sure if we're going to podcast uh, before game six or after game six. We'll see how all that kind of shakes up with the schedule and everything. But for Kelly Eco, for Super Producer Andrew Schleck, for me, Mo DeKeel, we out.